I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. By Zanshine, liberty-loving patriots, welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. We are always Liberty First here, and I want to thank you for joining us. I'm here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. Hello to you all there, uh, all of you out there in the airwaves, and hello, hello to all of you out there on YouTube. Now, J.C., I have to issue a correction of something that I said yesterday because I misread uh, my source on the Texas law. Okay. So I want to start off with that right away. Um, Texas law does not allow open carry on colleges. Okay. And I just wanted to say that I, I had I read the paragraph on it, but the paragraph that I had read on it had to do with concealed carry. And so I just sort of messed that up. And I just want to I make read sure. there were some exceptions, but I didn't see those listed. Yeah, see, so that's sort of where I Like cuz usually it's post like post offices and churches banks, and I think. Ch- yeah. churches. Yeah, there's a lot of exemptions for churches really? too. Mhm. Right. Meaning you can't carry in you a church. You can't carry in a church. Okay. Yeah. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. How is that possible? How is that separation of church and state? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. So no, I mean, but there are exceptions that say you cannot carry in certain mm-hmm. states that you cannot carry in churches, in uh, federal buildings, yeah, and that sort of even thing. the banks. I don't. To me, that would be a bank policy, right? How, how can the state say what a what a bank can do on its private premises? Well, you know what's interesting is that very question has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. Um, a federal judge issued an opinion against Obamacare last Friday. Yeah. And so I want to talk about that today because that's a very important issue. And something that, um, uh, some things that he said were, were really, really on point, really, really, uh, really, really, um, encouraging to me from a constitutionalist perspective and then the news that's coming out around this is really interesting, too, because we have uh, Fox, we've got Wall Street Journal, we've got all of uh, all across the board, conservative, centric, liberal, all hating this opinion mm-hmm. because this opinion does not allow a repeal and replace. This opinion completely strikes out. Throws it out throws out the mandate as being inconsistent and therefore unconstitutional. 
which is really, really awesome. And it's it's interesting because, uh, it, you know, Trump sort of tweeted out right away how how exciting it was that it was overturned. And I don't think that he really had information on on uh, on what the opinion actually said, because in his tweet, he said, uh, now it's time to replace this. Mm. But this this opinion this opinion does not well, allow you can replace it, that. but you just got to start from scratch, right? I mean, replace in the sense of what? First off, what do they mean by replace? But national health care. Okay. Yeah, that's what it means: repeal and replace with a national health care program. This this opinion, if not somehow altered by the Supreme Court upon repeal, be, appeal because it will be appealed. They have mm-hmm. already promised that it will be appealed. Yeah, of course. That uh, unless the Supreme Court has something to say about how uh, this this district court case will be applied, uh, there be no replacement. Because what this opinion does is it says that the individual mandate itself is unconstitutional. And because the... Care Act cannot exist without the individual mandate. They are uh, they are not severable. Right. Then the entire thing fails. But he says some really really amazing stuff, and uh, uh, I love the way this judge writes. This judge, you would think, because those of you who've been following Obamacare. Justice Roberts in NFIB v. Sibelius says that the Affordable Care Act was not a penalty. It was a tax, and it was constitutional under the tax. Uh, And he also remember, those of you who've been listening to us for a long time, who've been to Lella a few courses, you know that in that opinion, Justice Roberts also said that the states did not have to follow Obamacare. He said, as a matter of fact, it's up to the states to completely nullify Obamacare if they don't want it. And he says, we recognize that to be within their authority to do so. But what this judge does in Texas, his name's Reed O'Connor, is he doesn't overturn NFIB v. Sibelius. He does not challenge NFIB v. Sibelius and say that the Supreme Court is wrong. What he does is he takes NFIB Sibelius in, in, in this very uh, well-crafted opinion of his and shows how NFBI Sibelius proves that this is unconstitutional now. You remember that Obamacare uh, has certain provisions that were supposed to expire after a certain period of time. Uh-huh. And those the expiring nature of those provisions is what helps him take and craft NFIB Sibelius into this opinion that is I, I'm telling you uh, it's Loctite uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump on Trump for not knowing the opinion right away because let me tell you what there are lots of articles out there on this what this judge what this judge says right and everybody's pulling out quotes and everybody's talking about it. JC, do you know how long it took me on the internet in a day where you can find anything in three seconds? How long it took me to actually find the stinking text of this? I had to go to an, an, an obscure 
healthcare website for somebody to have embedded the opinion into the article. Yeah. How can you be a journalist? That's typical in and journalism not so, I know. It's so crazy. And, and the thing is, I find it very frustrating from a, a fact-finding perspective, but I also find it very frustrating from a fact-reporting perspective. Mm-hmm. You have all... And here's... Just let me bounce this off of you. Let me, let me see what you think. I think that in our instant knowledge you know we've talked about this several times you three seconds you can know anything you don't have to actually know anything but you can find information on anything in three seconds has driven the media to be an instant an instant information service so they go and they throw out whatever they can instantly and nobody takes the time to actually do the research because the demand is now well yeah there's that that that's one of the problems, but news in general is is uh, was a, what is the guy Rick Warren? It's purpose driven, right? Purpose driven. Yeah, <coughs> but the purpose is nar- now. <laughs> it's but it's narrative driven, right? You have a particular message that you yeah. want to transmit, and so then you know everything is interpreted through that, either intentionally or or as a byproduct of uh, you know of that perspective of we you know we, this is what we want to say. Mm-hmm. So there's no, I don't think there's a particular research. I mean, how many times have you been involved with, when we've been involved with reporters and journalists, and I I can't really remember a time that the resulting story was was ever accurate. I mean, it's very rare. Maybe portions. Accurate or even complete. Yeah, so maybe portions are close or, uh, you know, maybe accurate here and there, but. In general, every time we've been personally involved um, in a story, it never comes out accurate. Well, and, and I and I've heard that as we've traveled. Right, that sparked right. my interest when you were when you first. That's why people start recording their interviews yeah. with journalists. Oh yeah, it's funny, Aaron. I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rogers, of yeah. the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> does that, and just it's crazy. I'm sorry, I'm going to record um, everything you do with me. Uh, you know, it piqued my interest when. So, you know, how you started on this, right, when you were uh, you were a prosecutor and then you worked for the constitutional law firm, came back and was teaching the Constitution and ended yeah. up being fired for teaching the Constitution by the state attorney's office. And that was a big controversy <laughs> yeah. here in, in our area. And, it was. And we, um, you know, you were interviewed by several news agencies and different things. And even, I mean, good local news and, I mean, people that we that – we th- not necessarily have an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. We're not real. We didn't look at it as real bias. And, uh, but yet I started seeing how there was so much right. inaccuracy. And so then everywhere we've gone With our since, personal yeah. story. So right? every, we're every, like, wait a minute. That's not exactly how that was said. Right. And then taking out things. I was branded by the media as a Tea Party activist. Yeah, which at that time we had no connection no to any Tea Party No connections to whatsoever. any Tea Parties, right. So, yeah. and that's but that kept, that was the focus because yeah. that's what was hot right then. Right. And so the whole story was molded. Uh, in a particular direction. So I started sort of looking at this and talking to people. And so as we've traveled for the almost the last decade, mm-hmm. one thing one thing pops up that I found uh, that I found if a person knows about 
the issue, right? So, so let's say it's a doctor in some particular field, say like, uh, you know, surgery, particular kind of surgery. And so some article comes out, then you talk to that guy and he goes, this is totally inaccurate. And he can see all of the inaccuracies, right? right? So if you know something, you can see it. But the average person, they take this stuff. If you're not familiar with whatever the topic is, if you don't know the actual facts, then then most people don't know how inaccurate it is. So I'm wondering about this thing. When you read this and you see this stuff, would you, I mean, do you think you're an attorney and you know how to read it and you go to this stuff and you know what you're looking at? Uh, How do you think that helps you see this? And how much do you think other people, they just take for granted what's being reported because it's a source that they like, Mm -hmm. but yet it's not accurate. Well, you know, JC, that is really, really an awesome question. And I want to get into that after the break. Maybe actually try to show people how I look at news. So as a little training thing, this is how you can look at the news, too. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. You know, JC, what you said before you're going into the break is that the people who have a specialized understanding can point out the uh, questions within within the articles, the reported media right away. That reminds me of the uh, T-shirt that we have for Thomas Jefferson identifying the fake news because he actually says in that quote that truth is then left with those who know the truth and Mm. can discern the truth from the news. And so I thought that was just a really awesome uh, sidecar guy kind of question. And and I want to say, you know, uh, the first thing that we need to get in the habit of is not looking at one source of the news. See, that's what I do. I, I know people don't like CNN. They don't like... Uh, they, they've got their pet peeves with certain different kinds of, um, of uh, media and, and reporters, but it's important to survey the entire subject. And the one thing that always causes me to have suspicion, JC, when I'm reading, especially a printed article, is that if I go to CNN, I go to Wall Street Journal, I go to uh, Fox, I go to MSNBC, and they're all using the same quotes over and over and over yeah. again, right? So they have a different spin, right. but they're all using the same quotes. And it f- and the immediately it goes off in my mind, none of these journalists actually read the source right. at all. That's the other thing we've discovered. They have what they call the news wire or whatever. So they're yep. particular people that write up a core story and these these uh news agencies subscribe to that and they take the core there's article. no roving reporters anymore no, for no. for uh-uh. your stations there's no you know there there's no clark kent no lois lane anymore nope. they're all centralized corporate entities that yeah. publish this out no other unless you're dealing with independent journalists that's why that's why the attack on you know, all the bloggers and these YouTubers <laughs> and, you know, this sort of elitist 
type deal. And those are actually the people on the ground. That's why right. I, I found out when I was on Twitter, uh, you want to be informed? Twitter's more informative yeah. than than any of these sites, Fox, CNN, whatever mm-hmm. it is, because you're getting the right there information, you know, on the ground uh, from the people who are there. And so I found that more useful. And so, but that's the thing. You got this core sort of script that's mm-hmm. sent out and then they mold it according to what they want to say. Right. But in this, you went to, so what you, what I look for, what you, what I know you look for, what are they referencing you know, in the article. Mm-hmm. And so you go to that source. So they're talking about this judge's opinion. So why not read the thing himself? Why would you settle for some snippet or some so-called quote from the thing or their interpretation of it, uh, which ends up being either intentionally or, or unintentionally, ignorantly. Well, uh, what's interesting is they wrong. all use the same quote, but then they all spin it in a different direction. Yeah. So that should be our first cause of alarm. And you can't see that if you're not surveying every media for the same source. So this was initially a suit from states, mm, yes. uh, state attorney generals right. and states. And uh, so he he's pretty much said it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What's amazing is... Uh, And just before we leave that, that sort of answer that question, the one thing not only is that, number one, they all use the same quote, but number two, none of them actually cite the source. They don't actually link you to the source. I think it's because they don't want you to to go read it and realize that they're they didn't read it themselves because a lot of these articles, even though they use the quotes, then they can't spin them around if you take the whole thing into context and so um, one of the articles that I did ri- read was uh, an article that simply said, uh, and, you know, using the same quotes again, but the, the uh, conserv- not all conservatives are going to like this. And it goes back to the point that I was trying to, to make here that this judge puts out that, that there, is, there is no saving national health care. Mm. He comes out and he quotes... NFIB Sibelius, uh, John Roberts, Supreme Court Justice uh, case uh, opinion, where it says the Commerce Clause allows Congress to regulate uh, commerce among the several states. It does not allow them to mandate it, Mm -hmm. which is really, really something that we've been saying a long time. Regulate and mandate is not the same thing. And so this is what one of the premises that Reed O'Connor uses to say this mandate is unconstitutional. Arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction We cry revolution Standing together and without permission Soldiers for truth in the war of attrition The love of our country As our The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. But I'm only a stranger here. I'm a long, long way from my home. And I'm going to change 
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see the ticker below. We are at chrisannhall.com. And don't forget, if you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe and, uh, and uh, ring the Liberty Bell so that we increase our access to people through the increased subscriptions that you have, and then you never get to miss a show. If you're listening to the show, don't forget to go to soundcloud.com and subscribe and like the Chris Ann Hall Show at SoundCloud. It'll take you just two seconds to do that, and it helps us out enormously. Now, uh, in this opinion, and I did find it online, and I want to, uh, I'm going to actually link the PDF to this show, both on YouTube and on the Chris Ann Hall website, so that we can... Uh, so that we can uh, all have the source that we can do to. And so um, in his opinion, actually on page six of his opinion, Reed O'Connor, in uh, quoting uh, Justice Roberts, who was also quoting Federalist 48, James Madison, said that uh, the Interstate Commerce Clause authorizes regulating activity, not inactivity. Roberts warned the government's theory would extend the sphere of Congress's activity and draw all power into, into its impetuous vortex, which is a quote from James Madison. And then uh, he says the framers gave Congress the power to regulate commerce, not compel it. And that's where he, he comes out and he says, look, this this fails under the tax provision. This cannot be a tax anymore because of the changes that has taken place over uh, the Affordable Care Act, because of the endings and things, and it's no longer a tax. It fails under the tax, and so since it's not a tax and it cannot be found to support the Commerce Clause, uh, then we have to deem the whole thing unconstitutional. He says, the court's analysis involves three separate inquiries and conclusions. First, the court finds the parties satisfy the applicable standing requirements. The states have the standing to sue. Second, the court finds individual the individual mandate can no longer be fairly read as an exercise of Congress's tax power and is still impermissible under the Interstate Commerce Clause, meaning the individual mandate is unconstitutional. Third, the court finds the individual mandate is essential to and inseverable from the remainder of the ACA. So what this court is saying is if there's going to be a replacement of Obamacare, you can't charge for it. And it can't be mandated. I mean, really, you can't you can't do a tax for it, and it can't be mandated. Tax penalty. That's Trump removed the tax. Trump, right. The Trump administration removed the tax penalty. Removed the tax and that's penalty. That's basically what he's saying makes it fall apart. Right. Exactly. You, you can no longer use that excuse because it's no longer part of the law. Right. Because it depended. I mean, that was the argument essentially. It depended on that. Right. F to support the courts. Are the you know the court's argument in as much as they mm -hmm. uh, supported it 
And right. so he's basically saying, hey, that's gone now. So the right. argument they made hinged upon that. And you can't separate that from the law as a whole. Right. So therefore, the entire law is out the door. Right. Well, in uh, his section one of his final opinion, he goes into the Congress's tax power. And he goes into the fact that the NFIB visa belly Supreme Court held that Section 500A to be a constitutional exercise of Congress's tax power, but that Section 500A is is not is no longer there, right? It's what you were talking about. So the thing is, it's gone. The mandate cannot be upheld under any other provision of the Constitution is what uh, NFIB Sibelius said. And because that's gone, it fails. And then he goes in to repeat. Once again, I think I think he does so to just simply reiterate and sometimes make sure that the uh, understanding of Congress's authority to regulate, not to mandate, isn't lost. See, sometimes what happens when... When a court opinion is written in a specific way to address a specific issue, but then lay silent on other issues, lawyers have a crafty way of coming in and say, well, he didn't recognize that to be an actual part of his decision, and he didn't agree with it, otherwise he'd have brought it in. That's a fallacy of logic called argument to absence. Oh, right? Yes. All right. So, well, lawyers are very artful. You didn't say I couldn't do it, so that means I can do it. Right. So the uh, uh, lawyers are very artful in the fallacies fallacies of of logic. logic. I mean, that's pretty much how we uh, uh, (laughs) run everything. So anyway, um, what this says is that, uh, oh, and I just, you know, it's 55 pages. I can't go into the whole thing, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. He, he calls out the supporters of Affordable Care Act as a logically inconsistent. <laughs> I love this. He says, um, he says the defendant's theory is that Congress regulates interstate commerce when it regulates nothing at all. He says, but to regulate is to govern or direct according to the rule and to bring under control of law or constituted authority. Uh, He uses Webster's third new international dictionary. And he says, he says, if we're to accept the defendant's theory that the individual mandate does nothing, thus requires us to find that it is not an exercise of interstate commerce power. Right. So not only is is mandate not an extension of regulate but this idea that inactivity regulation of inactivity is the same as regulating activity also falls apart yeah he calls it logically inconsistent because those of you who have been up on this issue you know that the whole premise about the mandate was we regulating inactivity is regulating commerce. Right, because the argument they said, their argument was uh, people who, because they were trying to make it mm-hmm. commerce clause, right? Interstate right. commerce. Right. They're saying people who don't purchase insurance uh, have a, quote, deleterious effect on commerce. So yeah, they're, they they're harming commerce. They're harming commerce mm-hmm. by not buying 
insurance. So when so that's the when they do nothing. So we right. have to regulate them doing nothing because they're doing nothing is commerce. Right. Because it impacts commerce by not participating in commerce. That's so that's the illogical that's what he's talking about. This I don't even know. I think illogical doesn't even well I, I don't even rightly you know, this, characterize that. It's it's insanity. This this uh clear application of logic not a fallacy of logic here that we have by reed o'connor in uh it's actually on page 29 in section 2a the intervener defendant's position is logically inconsistent is the title and uh i just want to say out to those of you who are legal nerds you're going to find this this section very compelling because because we know this is going to go up on appeal this means that the Supreme Court is going to have to deal specifically with this issue of absence of commerce impacts commerce, which has, and this is, this is absolutely awesome, and whether it will happen or not, you know, Gorsuch will be along with this, I'm fairly certain, this has the potential to overturn uh, decades of Supreme Court opinion through Wickard v. Filburn, which uh, said that because Mr. W uh, uh, Filburn was uh, growing wheat for his own use and not for commerce, that c the, co the Congress can regulate what he grows for himself because his non-participation in commerce actually impacts commerce. Yeah. And that's what uh, allowed the federal government to outlaw hemp it's what the federal government does to regulate what our farmers grow and don't grow, makes it illegal for them to grow things. Uh, this is how the, the mara, federal marijuana laws came into effect, this commerce, this, this aberration of understanding of the Commerce Clause dealing with inactivity as well as activity. And so what Reed O'Connor here does, which he doesn't even mention, but it, it is legally what he does by conclusion, is he overturns Wicker. And that's that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting thing to see if someone actually talks about that before the Supreme Court uh, when this when this comes up now I, I guess I guess it's 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 beneficial at this point for us to understand that people look at these opinions as the rule of law which means uh, that there will not be a compelling while this stands in this district the states will now have the ability to say, you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to compel you. Here's the problem. They may wait. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'll wait. There'll be some kind of an injunction filed that says yeah. this doesn't go into effect while we're going to the appeal right. and that sort of thing. But there's still that, that leg to stand on. And here's my question, JC. Does this mean... And I don't, I, don't have the, I don't have the answer to this. I think this is something that needs to be addressed. Does this mean that all the people who have been charged penalties, all the people who have been mandated to purchase health insurance by the federal government will be compensated? I suspect that would take a class action suit, right? Yeah, I think so. They're not going to just do that voluntarily. 
No, no. Are you kidding me? But it could be something that someone could bring now based on these yeah. opinions. You, by the force of law, compelled me to do something that is unconstitutional. And because you forced me to do something unconstitutional, you, you, you made irreparable harm to me. So now I'm not only going to sue you to get my money back, but I'm going to sue you for the damages that incur as a result. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L dot com. We are in our last section, JC, and I think I think that this is a, a very important case, not simply because of its implications to the Affordable Care Act specifically, but its implications to national health care as a whole. And as we said before we went into the last break, this is a potential civil, this is now because this, this justice has said the mandate is unconstitutional and the tax fails. This means that there is now a civil rights act that can be a violation that can be filed against the federal government for mandating health care. Well, there, there, I, I suspect their argument would be as long as, you know, as long as that thing was in there, you know, it wasn't an issue until Trump Trump administration got rid of the mm-hmm. one part. It's probably what they'll argue. So the court said it was okay then, and then once he changed it, you know, then that's the period you had and, you know, wasn't that long. I mean, so at best you can say whatever that little time frame, I suspect, you know, that would be kind of their argument. Like, Well, I'm sure it would. Well, but we it, said it wasn't unconstitutional then. We're just saying it now. So Right, right. <laughs> then we said it was. Right. Well, and, and no doubt that's how they'll get around it. But still, it's something that we we need to think about because if they deem it to be unconstitutional, then what we must understand is that unconstitutionally requiring somebody to pay money is something yeah. that, that I'm should sure be trusted. Somebody will file something. Now, let's be clear. Affordable Care Act was unconstitutional from the get-go. Right. There is no federal authority for the federal government to be involved in our health care. The, the rewriting without amending the constitution of the commerce clause is the problem here and i wish they would go back you know they they uh like to quote madison in 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 uh the federalist papers but out of complete context i wish somebody would go back and quote madison in 1792 when he made the argument before congress using 
his, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, the man. Explaining what the purpose of the Commerce right. Clause actually was R- rather than this, this distortion. Exactly. And so what we have to understand is that Congress's power to regulate commerce is limited. And what Congress uses as the power to create to regulate commerce is an unlimited authority. What's sad to me about the whole situation is that how it speaks to political power. I mean, you really have, you just highlight where we are in that it's all about political power. The Constitution is, is, not, is not the standard, right? Uh, not used as the standard on, on a regular basis. Right. So my point is, it's, we're vacillating back and forth and back and forth. So now, now that, you know, the one side has the Supreme Court, then then you see this this push, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then all it's going to take is when we vacillate back the other way, then you see a swing back toward all of this crazy unconstitutional stuff. So it, it's really sad that, right, this, the Constitution was supposed to be a stabilizing standard. Right. And because we have we have transformed into this sort of political uh, football game. It's all about, you know, what do they always say in football? Momentum. Who's got momentum now? So, the, the, Oh, but now it is, was he in a football move? Uh, yeah. Make a, did, he, did he make a football move? <laughs> did he make so, a football move? What, so is he about, playing lacrosse? So it's about the, you know, the momentum, right, the, the whoever's in charge now. So that that's, it's kind of like you have you, – you, it looks like a victory, mm-hmm. but always in the back of my mind is, well, how long is it a victory? It's only a victory as long as that particular group is in power. So that, that's what's as, sad because right. the people don't know the Constitution, mm-hmm. don't respect it, and therefore their representatives don't either, and we just go back and forth. And as long as the people in power want that position because they change their mind all the time based on the powers that they want to exercise for whatever purpose they have. So victory for now. Yeah, victory for now. So that's – and it's in moving in the right direction. So learn the Constitution. Read the full sources so you can have the information. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. I received. Let me know.